0: Hi everyone, this is Divya, the CEO and founder of Dialogue Room. And welcome to season two of our podcast, Dialogues. As you know, the first two episodes, we spoke to someone in the ed tech sector, which is Harappa Education. Then we spoke to someone in the legal tech sector. Today's episode is probably with one of the most relatable startups of the world, um, and that is Uber. So we all know about Uber, right? It is a, it's a logistics company. It's best known for providing rides and now also delivering food and essentials. We know what it does, right? It connects a customer to a driver to get something from point A to point B. And honestly, Uber has played such an critical role in creating jobs for the gig economy of India. So we all know Uber. We all use Uber. But the past, present, and future of Uber India is going to look very, very different. And of course, this has to do with COVID-19. So to tell us more and give us a closer look On what's happening in Uber India today, we have with us on the Dialogue Now podcast, Mr. Pavan Vesh, the head of driver and supply operations of Uber India and South Asia. Hi, Pavan, and thank you so much for giving us the time to come to our podcast today.
1: We are delighted to be here.
0: So it's great to have you um, and it's great to, you know, be able to understand what's happening in Uber India. It's a huge company. I think you can't even call it a startup anymore. So um, obviously, we all know it started in the States, right? That's where Uber came from. Um, Would you be able to sort of walk us through how Uber India's model differs from its USA counterpart?
1: So Divya, uh, Uber's business model in India is very similar to that. Uh, in the US. So uh, the core focus is to provide affordable, convenient, and safe transportation options for our riders, and at the same time, create uh, flexible earning opportunities for our drivers. Now, uh, in the US, we also have a delivery and eats business, uh, other than our rides business, which is what we call the mobility business. So uh, that's where it is. I think uh, one uh, interesting facet of the India business is that India is truly a multimodal uh, country. So in addition to cars, we also have autos on the Uber platform and we have motors or two wheelers on the Uber platform. And we have unique products uh, which kind of got started in India, which is rentals where you can rent by the hour. And intercity, so you can use an Uber and go out out station.
0: Great, great, got it. Yeah, it actually helps in India more because there are more vehicular transportation out on the road. So you know, there's more Uber can do with that. Um, you know, going following up on what you just said, Bhavan. Um, obviously, it started in the states, and then um, you know. Ola came into being in India. And, you know, they always say imitation is the best form of flattery. Um, and then Ola came and then Uber India came after that. Obviously, Ola being sort of the biggest competitor of Uber India. But Uber India is the OG, right? Within it comes to logistics, uh, coming to, uh, you know, what you've set up. So, uh, you know, any thoughts on this, on sort of this Uber India versus Ola?
1: So, you know, competition certainly keeps us on our toes. And... Uh pushes us to innovate, uh, provide better services for both our riders and drivers. And uh, India is absolutely no exception. And uh, that is what our focus is. And we are just, you know, driven to do what is the best for our drivers and riders. And we believe that as long as we are focused on that, uh, we are going to land up, uh, you know, being, you know, Uh, having a preferred position in the market.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Ola is more also on sort of smaller cities and, you know, Uber being the, like I said, the the original model, you know, there are so many things that Uber will already know how to do better than someone who came after in the game.
1: It is true. Uh, We, of course, uh, are able to leverage our global scale and the fact that we operate in multiple countries to take learnings from there. Uh, And then, you know, bring them to India. And the reverse is also true. Uh, What we learn in India, uh, we are able to take global. So the rentals product, which is, you know, you rent a car by the hour, uh, it originated in India, and now we are taking it global to other countries. So I think it goes both ways.
0: That's very interesting, actually. Yeah, the rental model isn't, um, you know, you can't see it so much in the States right now correct um so uber india is you know been here for a long time um there are different business strategies which you know which encompass in uber india um there's there's obviously been b2c where the customer can go on the app and call or uber there's also been b2b and you know for me myself as well when i was a corporate lawyer and while i was working with khaitan and these you know other law firms um i was part of the uber business membership right so it was there was a lot of b2b involved in it and it was super helpful at two you know, if I wanted to call an Uber, I could. So what would you say has been the core uh, business model for Uber India right now? So
1: at the core, of course, you know, rideshare and mobility is uh, how it defines us uh, in India. Uh, but the business segment is a very important one. And Uber for business or U for B for short, uh, what we call it internally, is this all in one solution that we offer to organizations of various sizes which allows them to get their employees to move around, right? And I think uh, the added advantage is that, you know, if you are an Uber for business customer and your employees are using that account, even if they travel internationally, Uber is there in a very large number of countries. And so that experience is absolutely seamless. Now, what what we've also kicked off is an employee transport service. So if you have IT and BPO companies, uh, you know, uh, we would you know, work with you and provide uh, fleets, uh, you know, which are focused on working with you and, you know, moving your employees around, you know, any time of the day or or night. So this is certainly a very important part uh, of the Uber offering.
0: Right, right. Um, You know, you've been part of Uber now. Uh, You know, what has it been for you like joining Uber when obviously struck with COVID-19? Like that's something obviously... You know we need to discuss because it has it, it you know it would have hit the business but there's so much that uber is doing to sort of build trust around your drivers but how has it been personally for you pavan like managing you know a pandemic like this and uh, being with uber india right now
1: so divya i think what really attracted me to uber was this deep sense of purpose that the business brings Right? You truly are you know, trying to change the world and make it easier for people to move from place A to you know, place B. And when the pandemic hit, in many ways, the very reason for our existence disappeared because there was a lockdown. Right. So uh, obviously, first, it was a bit of a shock. But then, you know, as we reflected, we said, we have this enormous capability around technology, around our network of our drivers. Uh, how is it that we can help? And we identified some initial pain points. The first was we began to see that healthcare workers were not able to get to and from a hospital or a nursing home or whatever the healthcare facility may be, right? In many instances, they were walking, you know, five, seven, eight kilometers each way. And we just felt, you know, that, uh, you know, this is just not acceptable. So uh, the first uh, service that we came along with is uh, called UberMedic and what ubermedic provided was vehicles to hospitals uh, you know uh, and to you know health systems so that these uh, you know doctors nurses uh, healthcare workers can be transported back and forth from their homes and we partnered with the national health authority of the nha and many of the uh, you know government hospitals actually are under the nha and we also pledged a large n- number of free rides So all told, between uh, hospitals, between government and local authorities, we provided during this phase over 200,000 free trips uh, in order to move uh, uh, people who really needed to be moved. So that was step one. Now, as we were doing this, we began to uh, realize that there were citizens who had to move from place A to place B uh, during the lockdown for Uh, stuff that was allowed. So uh, maybe it was to get to the hospital because you had to get dialysis done or whatever else, or you had to go for grocery shopping and it was permitted in that particular city. So we started another service called Uber Essentials, right? Right. And in Uber Essential, we used our technology to geofence those locations in a city that the local administration and government permitted. And you could take a ride from place A to place B as long as it originated or... Uh, terminated in one of these permitted locations. So that was, again, something which was, you know, uh, again, for the citizen movement, which was very uh, helpful. Then as we got more into this, we realized that uh, companies which were delivering grocery, uh, they had never configured their last mile delivery to handle the scale because suddenly uh, they were the preferred mode of getting uh, food, right? Right. So then we started another service around Uber last mile delivery and we partnered with folks like Big Basket, Flipkart Grocery, Spencer's, uh, Nature's Basket, Tender Cuts. So a large number of these players. And we said that can we augment your last mile delivery capability? So we have this vast network of driver partners who have cars uh, and, you know, two wheelers, three wheelers. And so that is something that we started. And then lastly, and this came really towards the tail end, uh, uh, you know, people started saying, we would like to send something to, uh, you know, family who's living in the same city, uh, maybe a package or some food or whatever, but we have no way of going because there's a lockdown. So we started, uh, you know, another service over there, which is called Uber Connect, which is to deliver packages uh, from person to person. So all told, You know, between these four services around moving healthcare workers, moving citizens, moving groceries and moving packages, uh, we came, uh, you know, with this uh, focus on move what really matters. Right. And it was the first time that we launched a campaign where we said, actually, if you don't have to move, please stay at home. And it's ironical that a company like Uber, which is all about mobility, was actually telling its riders, please stay at home you know, so interesting experience.
0: Yeah, I think uh, so well put there. And it's so sort of firsthand when you hear what a, you know, a mobility company can also transform in and go into so many different segments. And I think that is the key learning of being sort of an entrepreneur or being part of startups is that you keep having to change your business idea, you have to keep changing with changing times, you know, nobody thought of this pandemic. And if a company like Uber India can sort of understand how to change their business model, I feel, uh, you know, any company can at this point. Um, And you're absolutely right, you know, I feel, um, and I read this very interesting article, where, um, you know, the Uber USA, obviously part of it, Uber, it was actually born during the 2008 recession, right? When the ability to download an app and start earning money immediately was a lifeline for many who had lost their jobs and savings. And we're sort of seeing this scenario repeat itself in maybe even a larger scale, Due to the coronavirus pandemic and more so in India, because the 2008 recession didn't really affect India that much. So, if you can't, say, get a job stocking shelves at a grocery, signing up for Uber or platforms like this would be your best chance of earning any income. So, have you seen sort of that uh, scaling up? You know, what has it been on the ground level, you know, working with the drivers and sort of the people, the delivery people? How has that been for you?
1: So, I think for our, uh, you know, a vast network of driver partners. It was a uh, you know big uh, uh, shock because suddenly their earning, uh, obviously uh, you know, came down to zero because there's a complete lockdown. So those who were able to provide service in these services that I just outlined, I think they were able to get some earning, but a large number of them were not. So the first thing that we did was uh, we launched the Uber Care Driver Fund. Uh, this is a global first within Uber and we delivered over 97000 grants in the form of a direct transfer into the uh, uber dri- uh, you know drivers bank accounts and uber itself committed about 3.3 million dollars uh, you know to this fund and then we raised additional money through uber employees through riders through cro- corporate csr funds and this i think we were able to provide some immediate relief, which felt really good because you know the scale uh, of ninety-seven thousand you know drivers is very large. Now, in addition to this, what uh, Uber offered was that, and it continues to offer, that if any of the Uber drivers is uh, gets COVID nineteen or is quarantined by a public health official for COVID nineteen, then we give them financial assistance for a period of fourteen days, right? So it's able to at least provide some help during this period. Right. Uh, we also worked uh, with the government and you know many uh, banks and financiers to pitch for uh, EMI relief because the biggest load on a, a driver is the EMI for the car that they have to pay. And when there's no earning, obviously, that's a very big burden. And uh, we were successful in pushing this out for three months. And hopefully, uh, you know, it'll get pushed out even further. Uh, we... Also have a program for microcredit. And many times, you know, uh, driver partners need 5,000, 10,000 rupees. And this is, again, something that we extended to uh, our entire driver base. We had been doing this even prior to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we have some driver partners who lease cars from Uber through a subsidiary called exchange leasing. And what we did during this period is we said that those rental payments that you have to pay uh are on hold you do not have to pay it for the period of the uh you know lockdown which is there right and then finally one of the things which i think is very important is because there was a lockdown and then uh driver partners and their families were you know sitting at home uh, they were able to leverage our remote doctor consultation feature and uh, thousands of drivers took uh, a benefit of this so all this i think uh, we were able to basically help uh, our base of driver partners uh, during this covid situation
0: so i think yeah um you know by offering them so many services um you know it essentially builds trust between the company and the drivers, which I think is really important during this time and in the pandemic. Um, you know, moving a little forward now, Pawan, uh, um, you touched upon, uh, you know, in the beginning where you said that, you know, you've partnered with companies like Flipkart and online food deliveries like Big Basket and everything and, you know, delivering food. Um, I also, you know, happened to come across this uh, piece of article which said that Uber Eats in the States is now a bigger business than the ride-hailing model of uber Um, do you also see sort of this same theme and concept moving towards uber india
1: as far as uber eats is concerned it is outside of china the largest food delivery business in the world right and obviously uh, as the pandemic hit uh, our rides business got affected and in many countries that business came down fairly significantly in india we had a complete lockdown before it restarted Uh, But the demand for food delivery went up, right? And so, in many ways, both these are, you know, counter-cyclical businesses. And uh, we are very fortunate to be having, you know, both these in the portfolio. And hopefully, you know, once you have passed the pandemic, you know, you will have, you know, two jewels uh, who are there, uh, you know, within kind of uh, Uber, so that's how we see it.
0: Yeah, I think the CEO of Uber actually said that in in two years' time, we've been able to create another Uber with Uber Eats. That's how huge it has been in the States.
1: Indeed, indeed.
0: Um, You know, we had around 1.3 billion people locked down in India, right? And in a pre-pandemic world, if there was a service that could get you somewhere in half an hour, that's a luxury, right? Now, that has sort of become a necessity, which we touched upon. And, you know, a lot of uh, ride hailing companies won't be able to sort of make this switch to delivery overnight, even though there is a demand. But a company like Uber can, because like you said, rightly, it specializes in the logistics and having experience to adapting to the rapidly changing demand. So how has it been, um, you know, now that for now you're not maybe as focused on becoming a sustainable mobility platform? How has it been personally for you, um, you know? going into sort of, uh, you know, the starting of this food delivery by, you know, onboarding uh, these companies and partnering up with them? What has it been like? What did you feel is really missing, which Uber has been able to fill in the gap of?
1: So I think, uh, so, uh, uh, you know, let me uh, take this in two pieces. Uh, As far as working with, uh, you know, online grocery delivery companies, etc., and helping them in delivery, certainly I think the logistics expertise that Uber has Uh, you know, uh, is very strong. And uh, this may not necessarily be their core capability. Grocery is. And so we can certainly partner with them and similar companies, uh, you know. And I think there is uh, merit there in people doing what they do best. I think the other piece which is, you know, very important around sustainability uh, is also sustainability of Uber as a mobility platform. And uh, for us, we, we have a very deep commitment to that. And the first and foremost of that is electric vehicles. And so uh, we will have about 1,500 EVs on the platform in India by the end of the year, which is end 2020. But it actually goes much further than that. Uh, We uh, have a deep belief in partnering with public transit. And uh, we believe that this seamless integration will allow for the best use case, right? Uh, Public transit is ideal for certain situations and ride share for others. So in India, we have partnered with DMRC, which is the Delhi Metro. And you can do journey planning, which is that, you know, if you want to go from place A to place B, all the routes are available on the Uber app as far as the DMRC is concerned. And uh, hopefully this will be able to provide the most uh, you know, sustainable uh, solution for your journey from point A to point B. In addition to this, micro-mobility is very, very important. So these are, you know, bikes which could be battery-operated, etc. So we have a partnership with Yulu. And we also have a partnership with Sun Mobility. So they, they provide swappable battery capability. So whether it is, you know, a three-wheeler or a two-wheeler, you could have an electric two or three wheeler and not worry about range because you can swap batteries at a sun mobility station. So there's a very deep commitment to sustainability as far as mobility is concerned in Uber.
0: Understood. So, uh, you know, keeping to the roots yet, uh, trying to adapt during this pandemic, I would say that's where Uber India is placed
1: right now. True. Absolutely. And there is a lot we have done, especially around safety features Uh, around the pandemic. And, uh, you know, uh, when we did this, uh, one of the things actually to build trust with riders and drivers is we said we have to set the highest possible standards for safety, not just in India, but globally. So, you know, what we did was uh, focused on PPE distribution. So Uber pays for this. So Uber funds the PPE. You know, we have given out over 3 million you know masks 1.2 million shark caps which is what two wheeler riders use mm-hmm. uh, also disinfectants and hand sanitizers over 400000 bottles this is you know scientifically sourced uh, so that you have absolutely the right thing which can you know be effective against covid right. uh, and uh, at the airports right uh, we have set up sanitization hubs in partnership with five of the major airports So, uh, and I think one thing I'm very proud of is uh, Uber pioneered uh, something called Uber Cockpit, which is a floor to ceiling plastic separator between the rider and driver. And we are implementing this in our cars. So we expect to have this in 40,000 cars and over 100,000 autos. Uh, And in autos, we are doing this in partnership with Bajaj. Uh, And what this allows us to do is, you know, physical distancing, even within the confines of a vehicle. And uh, these are some of the steps we are taking in order to build that added trust during what are you know certainly difficult times.
0: Right, right. No, completely agreed. I think I uh, I saw some a photo also of this uh, plus the panel that you're talking about, and I think um, it's really needed, and especially right now even in autos because you don't see it as much, right? Um, you know, towards sort of moving uh, to the other half of the podcast. We of course discussed. Um, you know, how the pandemic has affected Uber India, you know, what Uber India is doing about it, which is a varied level of things at the micro level and at the macro level, which I think is fantastic. Um, You know, I said this in the beginning of the podcast, Pawan, that, you know, Uber is always seen as, you know, one of those startups that really change the game. And I think, um, you know, in this gig economy that we call it, that, you know, a shift from this, Full time nine to five, uh, you know, to an on demand freelance job. Especially, uh, you know, Uber has really helped onboarding unskilled workers. It has transformed India's gig economy, right? India actually has emerged as the fifth largest country for flexi staffing after, uh, you know, the U.S., China, Brazil. Um, obviously now not keeping in track in COVID, it was actually on track, India's gig economy, to be worth $455 billion by 2023. What are your thoughts on India's gig economy, right? Of course, Uber has really leveraged it, helped it out. But what are your thoughts, say, uh, on a macro level on sort of job creation for India's gig economy right now?
1: So I think uh, India's uh, gig economy is playing a very vital role in creating jobs at scale. And if you look at uh, the Indian economy, I think our biggest challenge is that how can we have uh, economic growth, but also job growth, which is fairly equitable, right? And one of the amazing things about companies like Uber is uh, it provides a very low friction way for you to take a job, right? And it is also very equitable and democratic, right? It does not uh, differentiate uh, on the basis of anything, you know if you have if you you know pass through all our background checks you have all the documents which are needed you're fully compliant you can drive well uh, then you have an opportunity to make an earning on the platform and as long as you abide by our rules uh, you know you're free to go it also provides enormous flexibility uh, it is not just uh, that you have to do long hours uh, you know you don't have to take it close to being like give full-time hours you could also just do it if you were in between jobs if you want to maybe do it four hours in the morning and keep the rest of the day uh, for something else Uh, so i think just uh, tremendous uh, uh, capability there and it reminds me uh, i was in mumbai and a gentleman picked me up and uh, you know he said that listen i drive four hours in the morning with uber Uh, rest of the time i spend with my kids uh, and it kind of gives me this opportunity to talk to you know riders and get some variety and uh, it's the best of both worlds so i think uh, the gig economy and companies like uber will continue to play a very very important role and uh, to that extent i think the indian government has been uh, very progressive and uh, you know they're thinking about gig economy and this nature of work as slightly different from, from uh, full time work which is i think something which is so important
0: yeah, I think I think you're right in that. Uh, but to just sort of play the devil's card here a bit uh, and think on the other spectrum, you obviously discussed how much Uber is doing for its drivers in terms of pro- providing them benefits and care to doctor supports and EMI benefits. But the other aspect of the gig economy is that you, you can't focus so much on benefits, right, because you're a freelance worker. So uh, any thoughts on that? Do you feel due to COVID-19, this will need to change a bit? On you know trying to extend more benefits and sort of um, you know give a little bit more of a permanent sort of position even in the gig economy, or do you think this is just during COVID it's going to be hard and once things get better you you see things moving back to the old school way?
1: I think uh, globally uh, you know Uber's view is also that uh, gig workers you know do need a certain degree of uh, uh, safety net, and uh, that is something that uh, we're completely open to discussing as to what's the best way to do it for the entire gig workforce. Uh, so that is absolutely true, uh, but at the same time, uh, you cannot put uh, the same uh, you know conditions which are there for full-time employment because then what will happen is it will adversely impact uh, this segment which is generating so much uh, you know employment opportunity. Uh, for people who otherwise may not have had earning opportunity, right? So uh, I think uh, that is how governments are looking at it. That is how companies are looking at it. And that's the right way to approach it.
0: I think you're absolutely right there. And I think uh, the labor laws itself uh, have to play a crucial role on distinguishing a permanent employee to a freelance employee and what protection to give to each And um, yeah, uh, but I feel, yes, that's a discussion for a later hour and a whole another podcast. Towards the end of the podcast, Pavan, I like asking every person I interview is, what would you say your biggest learning has been uh, being part of Uber India?
1: So one is that I think just, uh, again, our mission, our deep sense of purpose, uh, I think really uh, it kind of Charges everyone up every day. I think that is very important, and there is just such strong alignment in what Uber is trying to do through its mission and what India needs, right, as a country, as an economy, which is around widespread employment, etc., being equ- equitable, etc. So, I think that is something which has been a very big learning because just the scale is tremendous. Uh, the second piece is all about uh, you know big bold bets, and you know Uber is all about doing that. Uh, you know, uh, at times uh, it will not work out, but that's okay, right? Because when you're trying to change the world, you got to kind of think big. Uh, I think one thing which was not evident to me till I w- became a part of Uber is just how deeply we care, emotionally care about our dri- uh, driver community. Right. And a lot of the things that we have tried to do for them, whether it is the Uber Care Driver Fund, whether it is the fact that we run a program where uh, we help uh, drivers who would like to get their children into school through the RTE process. So we help them through that. Every year, many hundreds of children get into school because we are able to assist the parents, which are driver partners of Uber uh, through this process. Uh, or whether it is you know doctor consultations, et cetera. So just we would like to bring added respect to the profession of driving uh, uh, in India, right? So that's one piece. And then finally, personally for me, I think just the amount that we leverage data and technology has been amazing, right? Uh, we experiment around everything. We will do an A-B test around everything to see what is most optimal, what makes most sense because uh, what is obvious may not always be the right answer. So these have been some of the learnings which have been there. And, you know, it's been a fascinating journey.
0: Thank you again, Pawan, for taking out the time and speaking with us today. Any last thoughts for our listeners over here?
1: No, I mean, uh, I'm just very grateful. Uh, I I hope uh, that uh, all your listeners uh, are Uber customers, uh, uh, both uh, personally (laughs) and at their work. But uh, I think it still feels like day one. You know, it's, it's very early and we're here to make a difference.
0: Thanks, Pavan. I think if there's one thing I would wish for is uh, that during my undergraduate days, Uber was discovered earlier, so I didn't need to take as many black cabs as I did in London. So thank you again for giving us the time on the Dialogue Now podcast today.
1: Thank you, Divya. My pleasure.
0: Thanks for tuning in in today's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. This is Divya from Dialogue Room. Don't forget our podcasts are also available on Spotify, GeoSavan, Hubhopper, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Just type Dialog Room and follow us. Thanks!